Good morning. Well, welcome to Life Point today. If you're here for the first time, thank you for coming, sharing part of your day with us, and checking out our church. I'd love to meet you after the service. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. A couple of other pastors, and I will be down front after the service. We'd love for you just to come down and say hello. Well, we're in a series called Big Rocks, and what Big Rocks is all about is how to live the God-first life, because by instinct, we tend to fill our lives up with a lot of things that don't really fill us up, but they just fill up our schedule. And so we started thinking as we were thinking about this series, what would it look like to live a God-first life? Because you've probably started a conversation or at least a thought with the words, oh, I don't have the time for that. I can't get that done. Or honey, we can't do that yet because we don't have the time. And so we use this classic illustration of these rocks in a jar and how most of us gravitate towards living a life like this where we do all the little things that we want to do and we worry about all the little things first and then, and then we go, oh yeah, there's some really important things in life. I need to get those in. And then we realize oh, they don't fit. I can't get it all in. I can't do everything I want to do. And so is there a way to live life where we can still get everything in that we want to do even the big stuff and the little stuff? And the answer is yes, there is. And that's what the God first life is all about. So if, if you feel like, well, my schedule's full and I don't have time to get all the stuff done that I need to get done, is that just me or do, do we all kind of deal with that? I think we all deal with it, 100% of us. And, and you think, well, I just don't have time. Well, there's a couple of things. One, you got to realize God would never expect us to do something in life and not give us the time to get it done. And we're all intelligent people. It looks like you all got yourself dressed and fed and driven here or ridden here somehow. And so maybe it's, it's not that we're, we just don't know how to do it. Maybe it's just we need to reprioritize and reorder some things in our life. And so last week as we started out this series, and if you missed it, please go to our website, click on the resources tab, and you can watch last week or listen to it. We talked about how God wants us to have a full life, but we got to put things in order, in the right priority. And so the big idea last week to start this whole series for this whole series is when God is in first place, everything else falls into place. And so Jesus talked to us about when he's first, when God's first, all the other little things just tend to take care of themselves. And so that's a great thought to remember as we're thinking about, well, how do I kind of reorder my life to, to put God first so he influences everything instead of waiting and, and trying to cram it all in and not being able to. And so today's big rock is family. And maybe you're thinking, oh, great, a message on family. Thanks for the dose of guilt at church today. I really appreciate it. Because a lot, we struggle with that, right? We struggle with, well, how do I balance a career? And how do I balance achievement? And got to get some hobbies in there somewhere. And still be a good friend, a good boyfriend, girlfriend, a good husband, a good wife, a good dad. How do I, how do, I do that? How do I balance all of that? Because it is a constant struggle. Because we all want to achieve something in life, right? Like you, you, you want life to 
feel full and, 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 and experience happiness, and God's not against any of that. But how do we get it all in the right order so we get to experience that full life, not over full life, but the full life that Jesus promised us? So there's always this tension of, oh man, I, I got to do work, but I, I got I to gotta do my hobbies, and I, but I got kids, or I, I got my wife, my husband, I got I to gotta figure out how to do all of that. I mean, I have to admit, when, when our girls were little, and they required a whole lot more time, and they were like this, um, on the way home, I would stop in a parking lot and take a nap. <laughs> Tell the truth. You're in church. Who's done that before? Because I knew as soon as I walked in the door, it was going to be, daddy's home. And my wife would be like, your dad's home. <laughs> it's his turn. You take over. Now I'm going to take a nap. So I made sure I went home well rested and, and ready to play and do whatever daddies do. And so it's this constant tension of, well, how does this work? So what is a, what is a family that puts God first and a person who puts family first and prioritizes them high in their life? What does that look like? See, when it comes to family, we all have a couple things in common. First one is, we did not choose our family. We didn't choose the family we were born into. We didn't choose the family we were adopted into. We didn't choose that. They choose, chose us or God placed us there. Now, I'll go ahead and ask for my mom's forgiveness ahead of time, but I might have chosen a different family if I could have had a choice. I, I really, I, I may have if I would have known how it would all play out. But so, so we don't get to choose that. So we all have that in common. Another thing is, we are all the experts in our family, Right? I mean, if it was up to us, couldn't we fix every problem in our family? I mean, you're the one that you have all the answers. Give you five minutes at a family reunion. It would be, stop asking me for money, lose weight. Hey, embrace baldness, buddy. Get that off the top of your head. Get a job. Stop living together and get married. Have some motivation. You could go around the table really fast and fix everything in your family, right? So we all have a couple things in common when we think about our earthly families. So we know the, the rock of family is important and it should have high priority in our life. When it comes to the Bible and we're putting this series together and this message together thinking about, well, what does the Bible have to say about family? And here's what you would discover if you read the whole Bible, a quick read about family. Family instructions in scripture are really basic, very basic instructions like husbands love your wives. You get that. Wives, respect your husband. Kids, obey your parents. So what the Bible tells us is love and care for your family. There's also instructions to families given in the context of a spiritual conversation, like the husband-wife relationship is compared to the relationship with Christ and his church. And as you read about people accepting the message of Christ, sometimes entire households did it together as a family. And you might be surprised to know that as you read through the Bible, there's not a lot of great examples of family. The first family, Adam and Eve. Adam chose Eve over God when he had a chance to, to choose God or choose Eve. He chose Eve. Two of their offspring, one of their offspring committed the first murder because he murdered his brother. And as you read, it's like dysfunctional family after dysfunctional family, these families fighting. And then you get to Jesus's family. 
even the Son of God, the Messiah. His family was a mess. Read his family tree. There are thieves and warmongers. There are prostitutes. There are liars. There are murderers listed in Jesus' family. There was a time in Jesus' life when he was a little boy that his parents just left him. They forgot about him. There was this big celebration and they just, oh, where's Jesus? Oh my goodness, where is he? I mean, they, you get arrested today if you did that. So even Jesus' family was messed up. So as you start to read through the Bible, you, you see quickly as Jesus begins to teach that family gets redefined. And there's a section of scripture I want to look at today where Jesus redefines what we need to think about when we think about family. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can borrow it or keep it. You can also follow along on the screen. So we pick up an episode in Jesus's ministry when he has been performing miracles. He has been teaching. He has been letting people in more and more on who he really is, that he's actually the Messiah. He talks about Old Testament prophecies, and he starts to drop references to the fact that he's going to be killed, but he'll come back to life. And so we pick up this story in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, beginning at verse 46, and it says this, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. So Jesus is teaching. Somebody comes and interrupts him and says, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside. Well, it was really Jesus's half brothers because Joseph really wasn't Jesus's dad. He just raised him. And Jesus's dad was who? Well, God in heaven. Can you imagine the conversations in the boy's bedroom at night when they're talking when they're comparing stories and Jesus is saying, guys, just so you know, God is my dad and I'm the Messiah. I mean, could you imagine, his brothers are probably like, hey, Jesus, could you lay off the God stuff, please? Could you stop? I mean, I have a big brother. What if your big brother came in and said, I am God. I just want you to know. And my true father is God in heaven, and I came from this miraculous birth, and I want all of you to know that I'm going to die for the sins of the world. You would think, don't say that in public. People think you're crazy. And so Jesus' mom and his brothers are hearing him say these kinds of things, and they're thinking, we need somebody go talk to him. He's going to get us all kicked out of town. I mean, at this point, now they did eventually come around and believe that he was the Messiah. At this point, all it is is the big brother Jesus talking about him being God again. And so they want to talk to him about it. And he says, "Mm," here's what he says. Who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, there are my mother and brothers. So Jesus is saying... When they say, hey, your mom and brothers want to talk to you. And he goes, well, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? And then he looks at his disciples, a group of men, and he says these words. Look, these are my mother and brothers. And I'm sure some of the guys were like, you can be the mom. I'm a brother, all right? You be the woman. I'm the man, clearly. And then you think, well, is Jesus being rude to his mother? I mean, it sounds like she just wants to talk to him, and he doesn't go out 
and talk to her. I mean, have you ever thought when your mom wanted to come over for a visit, please, not now? Oh, gosh, please. It's not the right time, Mom. If you haven't said it, I bet you've thought it. But what is Jesus trying to communicate? He's not really trying to be rude to his mother. What he's trying to do is to communicate this this connection that he has with his followers. People who say, I'm a follower of Christ. And he's trying to communicate to them that connection is deeper than the connection I have with my mom and my brothers. Because when you become a follower of Christ, everybody that's a follower of Christ is part of your family. Jesus goes on to say, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So the ultimate expression in following God is to believe in Jesus. That's that's how you know the will of God. People want to know, what's the will of God for my life? It's clear. Believe in the one who he sent, Jesus Christ. That's God's will for your life. We know that 100%. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Followers of Jesus are the family of Jesus. It would have been easy to just have this message and say, put family first, spend more time with your kids, spend more time with your friends, spend more time at home, spend more time developing this this family. But what if there was another way to look at it? What if we looked at it that if I really focus on being a follower of Jesus, makes me in the family of Jesus, could it be that prioritizing that family could make the other family better? Could it be that prioritizing the family of God could help make my earthly family healthier? So can I put the family of God at a huge priority in my life and have that affect my relationships at home, my friendships, my dating relationships, and make them even healthier? Jesus would say, yes, you can. That putting the family of God as a priority in your life makes all other relationships healthier by default. Now you might think family of Jesus. I've never heard that. Never heard anybody talk about that. We all understand what it's like to be part of a family outside of our immediate family. If you're on a sports team, maybe your coach at some point has said, hey, you're part of the whatever family, or you go to a certain school, you're part of this school's family. So we get that. We understand what that's like. It just means you're part of a group that treats you with care, that you all have a common interest, you experience same things together, and you're connected by something. And Jesus says, you are part of my family when you do the will of God, which is to believe in Jesus. So who's the family of Jesus? It's everybody who has chosen to believe in him and trust in him to forgive their sins, to trust in him for where they're going to spend eternity. Everybody in the past, everybody that's done it now, and everybody that ever will in the future. So the family of Jesus is really big. The family of Jesus is colorful. The family of Jesus speaks different languages and lives on different continents. Every age, every gender, united around this common belief that Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's 
the family of Jesus. Now, people understand on some level the benefit of the family of Jesus. I regularly get calls or emails from people, especially parents whose kids may be in their mid-20s and they're moving to Raleigh or moving near our church and they've somehow found us or gotten connected with some other way. And they'll contact me and say, could you help my son or daughter get connected to your church? What they're saying is, I will feel better if I know my child is connected to a spiritual family. Will you help make that happen? Sometimes people who are moving away from our city will call me and say, I'm moving to this place. Tell me how to find a church like I've experienced here. Sometimes it's, I'm moving to another country. Tell me how to find a church here where I'm going. I got three requests like that this week. Because, not because they just want to go to church, but because, hey, I've seen something here and I've experienced and I've felt something that I want to make sure that I experience somewhere else. And if you're one of those people that move and go somewhere else and, and, and end up in another spiritual family, you'll know quickly, hey, th- this is the family of God. Just like when I lived here, I was in the family of God. I moved halfway across the world. Here's the family of God. And if you're like me and you've sent a child off to college in the last 14 days, you really want to know, are they getting connected with a spiritual family that's going to help them? And then if they are, you know the peace that that brings. You know how much better it makes you feel to know, hey, they're connected with people that are going to be there if they get in trouble. They're going to help them if they have a problem. They're going to reach out to them and let them know that the part of the family of God that's where they are cares about them and they can go to them and they can feel included. That's how the family of God works. And when you, when you look at the news or read, the, read an article about all the people who follow Christ in the world right now, specifically in Iraq and Syria, that are being killed, beheaded, murdered, because they confess the name of Jesus, that's part of our family that that's happening to. That's part of people who believe in the same Jesus you do to forgive their sins, just like you believe in him to forgive yours. So when we see that, a little part of us ought to hurt and ought to feel something that, gosh, people in our, people in our family are hurting. We need to pray for them. So the followers of Jesus, they're the family of Jesus. Everywhere, every race, every nation, every political persuasion, part of the family of Jesus. And that's how Jesus wants us, why Jesus wants us to prioritize and make being a part of that family a huge priority in our life that influences everything else. Now, we have an obstacle, I think, in our culture to this idea of of family, spiritual family. And that's the idea that's that's really good for us when we're trying to succeed in life, when we are trying to, to, to really make a difference in the world, when we're trying to even help others. It's our idea of, I'm a rugged individual, and, and this rugged individual is going to pull himself up, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to build something successful, whatever that looks like for you. And that's not a bad thing. But sometimes people carry that into their walk with Christ and say, you know what, I really don't need to go to church. 
I can just worship God at home. I don't need to be involved in church and all that mess and all that other stuff. I think Jesus would say something completely different than that. And, and, and how many times do you hear even me say, you need to have a personal relationship with Christ? That's true. You do. When a person comes and accepts the message of Christ, that's personal. They've got stuff going on in their life that they need to feel grace and forgiveness from. That's personal. When a person comes down and says, I'm ready to be in the family of God, that's personal. When you see a person baptized into Christ, fully immersed in water and raised up to walk a new life, that's a very personal decision, but it's not private. And a lot of times the problem with people who follow Christ end up thinking, well, my faith is just a really private thing. The Bible never talks about faith being a private thing. It can be personal, but it's never private. In the first century, when the church began, there's never followers of Christ mentioned on a continual basis outside of the context of a spiritual family, of community with other followers of Christ. The only way the family of God grows is if people who are in the family of God demonstrate the love of God to people who aren't in the family of God to make it so appealing with God's grace and forgiveness that they want in on it. That's Jesus' plan for the family of God to grow. And Jesus never said, the world is going to know you have me because of your private faith. Because you worship privately so intently, your neighbors are going to know that. Jesus said this in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What Jesus is saying is what, what the family of God should look like is a group of people that are so intensely committed to each other as they're committed to Christ and they're doing life in such a way that makes people on the outside think, I want in on that. I can remember in my, in my early 20s when I finally said, I, I'm ready to follow Christ. It wasn't because I was sitting in a, in a dorm room reading the Bible. It was because I went and became part of a group of people who followed Christ, who were my age, and I looked at them and said, I want in on that. I want what they have. And a day came when, when I just went to this guy who was wanting to study the Bible with me, and I said, I want this. How, how do I get this? What do I need to do? And it wasn't somebody practicing their private faith that made me take a step. It was watching the family of God operate like it's supposed to operate, and I was drawn to that. And that's God's design for family. The day the church was born, in the book of Acts, New Testament book that tells the, the history of how the church began on its first day, how, the, how people heard the first message about the good news of Christ that rescued them from their sins and responded with thousands of people saying, I want to follow Jesus. And in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, here's what happened. It says, on that day, about 3,000 believed his message and were baptized. They spent their time learning from the apostles and they were like family to each other. From this point forward, family is not just about birth. Family is about this new birth 
into this new family. And it says they also broke bread and prayed together. And it goes on to paint this picture, almost a communal picture of what the first century family of God looked like. In my family, it's probably a lot like yours. We have meals together. We'll, we'll have a little argument. We'll hug, make up, have another meal together, hang out together, and just keep loving each other through every mistake, every misspoken word, everything, every forgotten birthday or whatever happens. We just move right through it because that's what families do. So when you're part of the family of God, you're not just a member of something. You're not just a consumer of Sunday morning goods and services. You're part of a family. And the followers of Jesus, they're the family of Jesus. Now, not all of you, when I'm talking about husbands and wives and kids, you're like, hey, I'm single. What about me? What about about my family? You, You know, give me something. With you prioritizing whether you're on the search for a mate or not, with you prioritizing God's family, that other family stuff will take care of itself. God will take care of that as you are more intent on prioritizing your life so the family of God becomes your family. All those little things that you no doubt worry about, God will take care of it. The definition of family to God is all the people who follow Christ. So what would your life look like if you made that family a priority? What would it look like if if you said, you know, the family of God, I'm going to make it a big priority in my life. It's going to be one of the things that goes in first. It's going to be one of the things that that I invite Christ into It's going to be one of the things that direct every day of my life, the family of God. Do you think your dating life would look different? Do you think your parenting would be different? Do you think the way you interact with your parents would be different? Do you think school would look different? Do you think your friendships would be different? Your marriages would be different if you said the family of God is a priority in my life. The last 22 years of my life, the family of God has made me a better husband. The family of God for the last 18 years of my life has made me a better dad. It's made me a better friend. It's made me able to handle the difficult things that that life tends to throw at us sometimes. It's helped me work through mistakes and issues and uncertainties and doubts and fears and pain all because of the family of God. That's God's design. That's what he wants for every person in here. And I realize with a room this size, I might be talking about the family of God and you're thinking, well, I'm not even in. I'm not even in the family of God. And some of you, you need to do that today. You need to say, I, I want in. I want to take that step today. All you have to do is come down front after the service and say, Donnie, I would like in, please. And I've got your ticket. I'll tell you how to do it. You can be in, and that can start to be a priority in your life. For some of you, it's going to be a longer process. You're thinking, oh, I've got some doubts. I get it. I see what you're talking about, but I've I've got some doubts, and I need to work through those doubts. Well, we have, in connection with this series, a class coming up that 
will help you work through doubts better than anything I've ever seen. It's called Starting Point. It starts up in a few weeks. All you have to do is write Starting Point on the back of your Connect card that's in your program. We'll be in touch with you. We're going to start sharing more with you in the coming weeks about what that class is. But I've watched that 10-week class change people's lives as they realized how God's story and their story fits together and how where the Bible came from and how to answer questions about doubt and existence of God and all these things that that we tend to have questions about before we finally take a step into the family of God. If you feel like, yes, that's what I need, something to really answer my doubts or calm my fears, then just write starting point on the back of your Connect card. We have another class coming up too that, that's in connection with this series called My Mission. And it's about how those of us in the family of God can actually live in such a way that makes people say, I want what they have. I want what he's got. I want what their marriage has. I want what their kids, I want in on that. And it helps you start a conversation to say, well, let me tell you why it works like this in my life. Let me tell you why we handle our finances this way or we deal with disappointment or mistakes this way. It'll, Provide opportunities to open up conversations for that. It's called My Mission. Take a look at this video about it. And that's a class coming up starting the week of September 21st that I hope all of you say, I want to be a part of that. All you got to do is mark that on the back of your Connect card and we'll get all the information to you that you need to know. It's your choice what your life looks like. Is it going to look overfull like you're trying to cram everything else in? There's going to be a life that prioritizes, puts the right things first, the, the God-first life that makes being part of the family of God a joy rather than a burden. Because I could have really made this a burden-filled message. I could have. I, I could have... I could have made it all about you getting involved in a small group and we could have gotten a video, had somebody cry about their small group and, and then I could have got up here saying, you're, you're stupid if you're not in a small group. I could have got up and done all of that. But as I really looked in the scriptures over the past few weeks at, at what this message was about, it's about the family of God and prioritizing your life in such a way to where being part of the family of God is a joy. So when I say go to findmygroup.com and find a group to be involved with, you're thinking, yes, that would bring some joy and direction to my life. Or get involved with one of these special classes that I just talked about. Yes, that wouldn't be a burden. That would help me prioritize so my life would be full but not over full. Please consider taking a, a bigger step. And letting the family of God be such a priority in your life that it affects everything else. Your life will be healthier for it and your family will be healthier for it. Let's pray. God, thank you for just the way Jesus invites us into his family. May we prioritize our life in such a way that makes your family a priority. And God, for those, of, uh, those here that have not yet taken a step into the family of God. May today be the day they just say they want in. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.